Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Thomas Wilk back to the podcast. Welcome back, Thomas. Thanks so much, James. It's great to be here talking with you again. All right, excellent. So for those that are not familiar, you've been on the past and you've talked a lot about different surveys that we have, that you've done over the past, whether it's PDM, workforce development. I think there are some others we talked about as well. Although super brief, can you tell us about yourself, your, the organization you're with, all those great things? Sure. I'm proud to have hit my seven-year anniversary now on plant services as of October 1st. Um, it's been a really great seven years. Uh, th- this is such a satisfying position to be in talking with so many people in industry and listening to what they're saying and telling us about the way their jobs work and about the best practices they're using on the job to make sure everyone goes home safe and make sure the machines are protected. Um, yeah, Plant Services has been doing surveys since uh, before I jumped on board. We've made it our business these past seven years to try and do two surveys a year on various topics. As you said, one of them is PDM, finding out which technologies people are adopting, what the technology use rate happens to be. Are people using them in complementary fashion? Are people especially happy with these programs or not? The other surveys we do on a, on a, a less frequent basis include um, electrical safety, where we want to find out if, if respondents think their facilities are basically up to code and if not, what to do about it. Um, we did a couple on the COVID pandemic, trying to find out what people's attitudes were, especially what they thought they needed during such a stressful situation, as well as a follow-up this past May, June, where we, we took the temperature of whether maintenance modes were getting back to normal. And the surveys that we're talking about today, which is the workforce survey. We hadn't done this one in two years. So the previous one was done in, I think, August, September, uh, some of July in 2019. And the prevailing attitude from that survey was, what have you done for me lately? That was the headline of our cover story. And it was an attitude that was being communicated by both frontline workers and by management. And we wouldn't call it adversarial, but we noticed that both types of workers were really trying to get the most out of the other. And so we were really curious this year to find out what had changed, if anything. So uh, we, we ran this year's survey uh, again again in July, August. All right. So you got 2019. We got the 2021. Is there more history to the survey? And what was the, the, you know, the genesis of this survey initially? Was it just to gauge you know, workplace culture, workforce uh, development, that type of thing? Or did something else bring it about? We noticed a gap, I'd say, in 2015. I believe that was our first workforce survey. There was a gap in industry knowledge uh, on what workers' attitudes were towards their jobs, especially in the maintenance and reliability sector. We've all heard the stories of uh, endless overtime hours, um, added shifts, um, frustration with not being able to find parts where they're supposed to be, and how much time they can add to unplanned downtime when you do have surprise or catastrophic failures. 
Um, and instead of meeting with people just at conferences, for example, and getting to know them either at uh, during sessions or sharing a beer at the bar afterwards and hearing about what they thought about their jobs, we thought maybe we would do a survey to quantify the, the prevailing attitudes towards, towards people's jobs. The first survey, James, was an epic survey. If I remember right, we got close to 70 questions on that one. Um, a lot of them towards the end were simple yes, no's. And so it was a little bit less onerous than it sounds, but not all that less onerous. We, we, we noticed that our completion rate has increased if we keep these surveys down to more like 25, 30 questions. And so since that 2015 survey, we've tried to pick the 25 questions that seem most relevant at the given historical moment. And we always do try and ask certain questions such as, you know, what, what obstacles do you see towards workforce success? Um, uh, if you were to leave your organization in two years, what would be the reasons? We try and chart long, long-term trends on some of these. But of course, some questions will be one shots, especially given this past year's pandemic year. All right. Excellent. Now, what we want to do is kind of talk about the most recent one, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, a lot of the challenges and culture changes that organizations have faced. Um, you know, there's some interesting things when I went through the data. And, you know, one, one of the things that kind of surprised me was that many of the respondents indicated that there was an increased concern finding and retaining workers. Um, if I remember correctly, this isn't something that just came out of the blue. This is something that's been reported in the last couple, but it seemed to be there was more concern around it now. Was this a surprise coming out of uh, the pandemic? This was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, you're right in that this has been the perennial concern ever since at least we started our surveys, and I'm sure you've heard anecdotally from workers too, that it's, it's, it's a tough hiring market out there. Um, it's always been the number one ranked uh, challenge, whether we ask frontline workers or we ask executives about what, uh, what their biggest workforce challenge is. So the fact that recruitment and retention came out number one wasn't a surprise, but like you indicated, the fact that so few others emerged as pressing concerns was a surprise. So I think that recruitment and retention stood out this year in part because our respondents didn't really say there's a whole lot of other huge challenges going on. Um, and we can dive more deeper into those questions too. But in general, it seemed like if people wanted to get trained, there were opportunities to get trained. Um, it seemed that uh, corporate culture was less of an issue than it was two years ago and, and that people are more satisfied with it. Um, so you, it was a good question you had. Was it a surprise? And it was a surprise for this reason. Like, I, I, I think the perennial challenge stood out, especially due to the uh, lack of other serious contenders for that position. <laughs> All right. Now, when I saw I went through the survey results, it said in terms of retaining employees that, you know, the respondents felt training, retraining were vital to keep the employees there and engaged. But it seemed to be that there's quite a few that voiced concern that it was not happening. So did we get a mixed bag there of some that were getting the training and retraining and others that were not? You know, why do you think the organizations that aren't providing that, why aren't they providing that training? Well, it seems to be a tale of the haves and the have-nots. Sometimes in these surveys, James, we get almost a 50-50 split between does your plan do X or does it not do X? And a lot of times when it, on previous surveys, when it comes to training, we have seen that split 50-50. So if plant gets it, it really gets it. 
if a plant doesn't get it, uh, they may never get it. Um, I was struck this year that I think more people reported they had training available to them. Um, we asked, my company has formal workforce training and development programs in place to help employees. We had, we, we had almost 50% say learn more about their field. We had definitely 50% say be more successful in their current role. Uh, just shy of 50% saying develop leadership skills. So you see that result emerging again. Um, and you're right, for those who don't have it, they do list it as a concern, but I was struck by the ones that, do, that, that say that they do have these opportunities, they're taking advantage of them. And did you see that too? Yeah, I saw the ones that had it available were taking advantage of it. They're just, I think you raised the point, it's the tale of two cities, the haves and the have-nots, and that's what we see out there. So either they get it or they don't. And as a result, the ones that don't are more likely to lose those workers. Right. Right. And I, it, w- it was nice to see that so many people were having the CMRP, for example, available to them. Um, I think for the question where we said, what certification is available to you? Um, only f- about 5% two years ago said that the company invested in the CMRP. This year, 17% of respondents said that the CMRP is, 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 is something which their company is investing in them. It's not just them doing it on the side, that the company is taking an active role. Um, the leader in this area is clearly Lean and Six Sigma, where uh, about 35% of employees said that the companies take a hand in that. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting that when, when training is available, uh, especially these past two years, we've seen people grab on, grab on with both hands and take it. All right. Well, you mentioned too that the increase in certification, whether it's CMRP or various other ones, why do you think there's such an increase or interest in the certification? That's a really good question. And there may not be one single answer. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this too. I know that the SMRP organization has done a terrific job articulating the value of the CMRP certification, um, as has AMP organization uh, talking about the value of the CRL uh, and other, other certifications too. Um, this past year, again, it was it's, it's, it was a pandemic year, year and a half. We're still not out of the pandemic fully, of course. Um, but in terms of the crisis moment, it seems that you know uh, the pandemic may, may flare up, but the, the moment of crisis is over. The moment of management is upon us, right? Managing the situation. And when, once you get into the situation which can be managed, you see people uh, taking responsibility for their own training, for example. And so I think in this year, uh, in the, you know, uh, when none of us could really go outdoors very much, I think it makes sense that some people decided to apply themselves to, uh, say, like the CMRP, which they hadn't been able to apply themselves for and study for. Um, yeah, this aligns with the general sense of the survey this year, uh, where our headline for this cover story was, is the grass greener? And we saw a lot of employees this year, instead of looking outwards towards different opportunities, they took a look at their own organization and said, what is good about where I am and how can I develop myself better on the job? So I think in general, James, the past, in the past two years, that, that was a shift we saw was a little, a little bit less wanderlust and a little more focus on where people were, what they were doing and how they could maximize their on the job training opportunities. Okay. That's interesting. Um, the reason I say that is I see a lot of individuals looking to move outside of their organization. And to me, certification gives them that step up. Um, you know, working with a couple of clients, they're experiencing fairly high turnover of 
maintenance team leaders, reliability engineers, planners, all those different things. So they mm-hmm. took advantage of some of the training, got certifications, and now they're looking outside. So it's, it's interesting to see, you know, some of the differences that are going on. It might just be geography dependent or various other things. But, you know, that's why I kind of saw it or thought there was an increase in the uh, certification side of things. That's an excellent point, and it wasn't captured in the survey. I'm glad you shared that. Um, one thing we've heard over and over is there are more job openings than qualified people. And so it sounds like there a lot of the folks you're in contact with are taking advantage of that and, and, and using these certifications to step up and look outside. Yep. Now, you know, that was one of the other things that came up in the survey is, you know, you guys asked why would respondents switch companies. And the biggest factor that came out was wage and benefits. Do you see this as an increase over previous years, given that there's such a strong market demand for um, people and skills and that type of thing? Well, it's interesting. Um, I was having a talk about this question with someone recently, and we zeroed in in part on the way it was phrased. Um, And the way the question was phrased was, if you were to leave your organization in the next two years, what would likely be the reason? Right. And that's where more than 75% said opportunity elsewhere with better pay or benefits. So that was clearly the number one factor that would motivate them to leave. Right. Um, Other answers, other answers included opportunity elsewhere with newer, more attractive job responsibilities that got about 40% of people saying yes, Uh, better career advancement potential. That was about 34% of our respondents. Uh, opportunity elsewhere with better culture, that was only about 20% of respondents. So you do have people having various reasons why they might want to move. Um, what we had to take this on its face, which is that if people were going to move, they told us money would matter the most, that there were other factors. Um, what we wonder about is, are people resigned to certain cultural realities about this kind of job where they realize the culture may not change? Uh, are they perhaps happy with the culture they're at? They sort of found their people. And so they know they found their people. Um, there, could be a, there, there could be reasons why other responses weren't selected quite as often as wages and benefits, I guess is what I'm saying. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out Iridicio's IBL blended learning for maintenance and reliability professionals. This SMRP-accredited project-based curriculum will take you through all aspects of a maintenance and reliability program and provides you with all the tools you need to generate a 30 times return on investment for your organization and a set of credentials from the University of Tennessee for you. You can find out more at ibltraining.com. Yeah, and that's, I think, some of the challenges, as you pointed out earlier, when you try and pare down the survey to get more people to complete it, you can't get some of those clarifying questions in there and those types of things, right? Right, right. There was another follow-up question on this topic, which was, which of these factors would most impact your personal decision to stay or go? Um, and, And in this one, retirement and dissatisfaction with the corporate culture came out on, came out nearly on top. Uh, the one that came out on top was all this being said, I hope not to leave. Right yeah. now that aligns with what you were saying, which is that you do know people are sort of looking around. You've, you've heard stories. Um, but it was nice to see that nearly half the respondents said, you know what? Okay. All things being equal, you know, of course I'd listen to better money, but all things being equal, you know, this, this is not a bad situation. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we got to look at the whole data set is to get that clarification. Um, I think there are 
a lot of people who are happy where they're at, um, especially maybe brought about by some of the changes in the pandemic that aren't going to go looking elsewhere. Right. Um, so now, you know, I, and I think this ties into, you know, the other, or what we're talking about right now, but there was a big um, concern around was the communication and trust between management and the plant for needing to be improved. Um, that seemed to go up a little bit over previous years. So I find it interesting that people are happy to kind of stay where they're at, but they still have a concern between communication and trust. And I understand during a pandemic, communication is not the easiest thing to do, especially if you got some people remote, some people on site, you got people spread out. It's, it's a lot harder to do. Um, but was that kind of why it was increasing or was it for other reasons, do you think? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I, I'm going to refer back to a data point that wasn't in the workforce survey. It was in the survey about, come, about the pandemic that we did earlier this year, uh, back around March. And we asked, has the pandemic year revealed any of the following to be a pressing need in the area of human resources? The number one answer, both when we asked a question in June 2020, and then when we asked it again, nine months later in March 2021, was better coordination between internal teams on maintenance best practices. That gets down to communication, like you're talking about. Um, the number two response was, stronger partnerships with maintenance service providers. Again, a communication issue, communication between teams. We did notice that, you know, when it came to workforce challenges in this year's survey, I think it was fewer people, let me double check here. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot fewer people mentioned the trust issue between the plant floor and upper management, which was good to hear. And like you say, I, do, I, I agree with you that that might be because during the pandemic, this past year and a half, you couldn't over-communicate. You know, there was a lot of a lot of extra communication going on, um, but it was striking to note in the survey on people's practices during COVID, people still see that intra-team, inter-team communication to be the number a number one challenge to work on. Yeah, and I think that's a challenge that has existed for hundreds of years or thousands of years, and it's probably going to continue to exist for another couple thousand years. Um, yeah, it's but, it's you know those. I'm sorry, real quick, those, those challenges came out on top of even technology challenges. When we asked, how about better use of your CMMS platform or getting more full-time proactive maintenance experts? Uh-uh, it, it was communication between the existing teams. Yep, it's a challenge. And if you can really knock that down, then you can just open up and accelerate your team and their work and everything else. Um, I, if I could call out another data point from the COVID survey, uh, we asked what was has the pandemic year revealed any of the following to be a pressing need in the area of asset management and maintenance? And two things emerged. Number one was a stronger health and safety program, including PPE inventory. And the other was a stronger planning and scheduling program. And I don't want to give this single data point too much weight, but I thought it was telling that planning and scheduling was as important to respondents as a strong health and safety program. It's as if people uh, in this area of industry are recognizing the power that a planner and or a scheduler can have to really focus a team together and create effective job plans, uh, increase wrench time, just just overall make the team more effective and, and reduce downtime. I'm, I'm curious in your thoughts on that, given all the workforce data we're seeing too. Yeah, I think 
you know, the planning and scheduling function, it goes to a couple aspects. It goes to the knowledge management piece. A mm-hmm. lot of organizations struggle with um, mm-hmm. capturing information, PMs and work orders and that type of thing. Um, efficiency is another thing I think it kind of leads into. If, we have, if we're having trouble finding workers and that sort of thing, we can get our plan of scheduling moving. We have less workers. If we have p- certain or number of people out for uh, pandemic reasons or whatever, then mm-hmm. we can overcome some of that through better work management activities, that sort of thing. So I think it all kind of feeds into each other where we do that well, it's going to improve our efficiency, which is going to help us overcome call-offs or vacancies and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everyone has always known planning and scheduling does this. I think, you know, this pandemic just kind of highlighted the need for it um, to a lot of these organizations that don't have people right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. The the sick outs, the 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 quarantine, the times to quarantine, all those absences just just double or triple in length. And so, without planning, planning and scheduling, it's tough to overcome those caps in the in, in the staff. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, with with those staffs, and you know, keeping employees happy and motivated, there is another thing in there is that the survey indicated that the staff wanted a clear definition of qualifications for promotion, raise, bonuses, and so on and so forth. Why did this jump up in importance over previous years? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to use something which you uh, brought to light, which is if people are looking around uh, at different options, what they, what they also want to know is what are, the, uh, what are the benchmarks of my current job to get ahead? And so, I, you know, you're, you're helping illuminate that answer a little bit for me, which is that uh, when people said that they do want to know more clearly what 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 the uh, what the criteria are to advance, they're ma- they're taking note of this and comparing it to other opportunities, and they're trying to find out okay, what will this company do for me if I do X Y Z? Um, so, I long story short, I'll take it as, as another signal that they're looking around and evaluating their opportunities and trying to figure out how long will this work for me. Yeah, I think that's a. That's a pretty good insight to it is, you know, they're evaluating internal, external. This is going to help us make that determination. You know, if I only got to do this and I can get promoted in six months, mm-hmm. it might be a lot easier than going external. But if this is something that's at five year, then maybe I got to go external, right? Helps them kind of right size that decision. Right. It's, it's a funny attitude because, you know, you see a data point like that, James, which is a very real data point, which, which would suggest that, you know, people are looking outward a little bit. And then we did ask a question this year. Um, a yes or no question. I would be happy to remain with my current organization in two years. 80% said yes. So again, it's, it's, it's not what, what, what we're, what I'm sensing at least is that it's not the organizations that are at issue here. You know, it's, it's not the quality of organization. People aren't leaving the organization because it's a cruddy organization. When they're looking around they're they're trying to self-develop and they're trying to figure out what are my skills worth? And they're kind of recognizing, okay, organizations might not be all that different. Um, the funny part, though, is when you look at things like training in a tale of haves and have nots, sometimes they can be very different. Yep. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. They're not looking for to leave the organization necessarily because it's not a good organization. It's There's a development opportunity or something else that comes along, and they can take advantage of that, recognizing that the organization is probably not going to be any better culturally or anything like that. Um, it's right. more for, like you said, development, for self-development, um, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So with, with all these data points, you know, what do you want our listeners to take away from 
the survey, uh, if they're a maintenance team lead, a maintenance manager, or a technician, what do you want them to take away from the from the results from this survey? Well, I, I think the number one thing to take away would be that if you are trying to self-develop, if you're looking for certification opportunities or even, even training opportunities, you're not alone. Um, this is probably the part of our conversation, James, where I can list out uh, some of the things that people are reporting they do get from their employers. So if you're, if you're wondering what other people are, are getting uh, on the job, you, uh, listen up and you can benchmark what you're getting too. 70% of our respondents said that they're getting in-house training and development. Just over half, 54% said they're getting tuition, deferred tuition or reimbursement of college tuition. Uh, just over 35% said that the company sponsors participation in outside workshops and outside training programs. Um, and a, about a quarter said they get formal leadership training. Um, about a quarter said that they are sponsored to be in other trade or professional organizations. So those are the kind of opportunities that organizations commonly offer and then less commonly offer. So, um, you know, that takeaway, James, is number one, if, if, if you're looking for some kind of training, there's no harm in asking uh, your employer what they, will, what they will support or what they won't support and arguing to even add that as something they could support. Um, number two is to realize that if you're looking for, well, just, let me rephrase that. Recruitment and retention continue to be a challenge for everyone, not just you, right? And so I would say that if your team is looking to fill these resource gaps by partnering with outside organizations that can help you with either maintenance responsibilities or data analysis or whatever the gap in knowledge is that the skills gap on your team is, you're not alone. We're seeing a lot of people, especially when they move into more proactive maintenance modes, more frequently working with a third-party partner, either to get them started or to, to get them uh, moving along on those programs. Um, there are simply uh, more jobs open than there are applicants, right? And so at some point, a lot of folks are brushing up their 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 communication skills when it comes to managing partners and managing partnerships. So I'd say number two is if you're not already focused on that end of your professional development, um, the language of contracts, the language of partnerships, uh, consider looking towards resources that would help you out with that. And the, the third thing is, um, like our cover story says, the grass isn't always greener. Um, and it, it's an interesting state of affairs where I'm glad you mentioned that you know more people who are looking right now. Um, at the moment, we see people who are just trying to get past this COVID-19 situation and, and manage it as best they can. And here we are, we're talking in October 2021. So this is even about three or four months after the workforce survey was, was taken with our, with our respondents. Uh, the reality on the ground changes fast. So I guess the, the last thing is don't wait for reality to overwhelm you. If, if you think you want to get developed, go ahead and again, grab that opportunity. Yep. Yeah. I think, you know, people recognize they have to be willing to take those opportunities and not be afraid to ask and, and start moving down that path. Mm -hmm. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about the workforce survey, but before you go, can you provide people, you know, find a little bit of information on plant services, where else you guys are working, what else you're involved with all those great things. Sure. For anybody who wants more resources uh, from the plant services team, you can go to plantservices.com. On, on the hamburger 
menu in the upper left, you'll see all the things we're working on. Uh, we're doing other research projects. We have a, a healthy webinar series on topics ranging from compressed air engineering to workforce management. Um, so if you're looking for resources in that direction, you know, plantservices.com is a great place to go. I will give you a preview of the next survey that we're working on, James, and this, this is an exclusive to you in the podcast. Uh, we're working on a, uh, on a project to explore the attitudes towards CMMS systems and the way users are using those. Um, we're, we're, we're partly down the track. We're trying to figure out some of what the initial data are telling us, and we're going to calibrate the survey a little more. But we're, we're turning our focus towards that end of the business because, uh, you know, so many folks invest so much money in software packages. Uh, there's a, you know, when I first started even seven years ago, it was the case quite often where you would simply buy a software package to manage your work orders and manage your expenses and it wouldn't integrate out with anything else. Well, now we're seeing these systems do nothing but integrate. You know, you, you almost have to buy them on a modular level. You integrate with ERP integrate with CRM, you know, who in the company wants to know what's going to happen if we can, if, if you're a sneaker manufacturer and you get an order for three, three dozen crates more blue shoes than red shoes, how, how do we change over, how, you know, how does maintenance react and plan the downtime to change over the line? Um, all these systems are getting connected. And so yep. we're very yeah. curious to find out on that level, what new responsibilities are maintenance folks on the hook for? And what are they what, what are they using their systems for on a baseline level? Is it still primarily work orders or are they being told, no, you're going to have to become an expert in more areas of the business? Yeah, that's yeah. that's going to be a very interesting survey. Most of the people I talk to dislike their CMMS. Some, I would say, even hate it. Um, so that, that, that the outcome of that survey is going to be very, very interesting. I think it's going to be very telling. Um, and, you know, when you talk to people about that particular topic, you know, it's not that the system is bad. It's that it was either not configured or set up correctly, or they turned on these four modules, but not this fifth one, which is what they really want. And, you know, there's all these little things, but I think that'll be a very interesting survey once it comes out. We're already, we're already seeing some interesting things in that direction. People's level of happiness or satisfaction versus the reality that, oh my gosh, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> so, yep. um, but yeah, yeah, the, the, the good news coming out of that is that these, you know, people are recognizing these systems help save them money. So in, in, in the end, that's why you invest in these systems. Yep, absolutely. Well, Tom, one last question. Are there any resources you want to share with our listeners? Resources. Uh, and please edit this out, James. Um, are, are, are you leading towards like uh, the, the survey here, the survey reports or? Just in general. So whether it's you want to point them to plant services, whether you want to point them to the podcast, you guys do that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, James, the primary resource is plantservices.com. You can always go there. Uh, you can subscribe to our daily e-newsletter, get the latest news uh, from industry. And also we put a new piece of content from plantservices.com in every newsletter. So you'll stay abreast of the latest uh, best practices and knowledge that are coming out of our industry. Um, and I, what can I say? I would recommend you sign up for uh, uh, some webinars in the series. We have experts from all over industry coming in and sharing their knowledge uh, with you on these webinars, free to sign up. And we, we're, we, we love to hear uh, your thoughts on these webinars too. All right, excellent. I will make sure to put some links to all those in the show notes. Tom, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat, to us, chat with us today about the workforce survey, some of the trends we're seeing in the workforce. Appreciate the time. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me again. Uh, back again, James. Talk soon. 
I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.